It's Wednesday, June 28th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, former U.S. President Donald Trump has a new explanation for why there is audio of him talking about keeping classified information that he shouldn't have. And it has to do with bravado. Details on that coming up. Second, an update for you on the mutiny of Russian forces over the weekend. We've got new information on possible Kremlin insiders who helped the mutineers, plus how Putin is reshaping his National Guard to prevent a repeat of that could have been coup. Third, more fallout from the mutiny in Russia with subtle signs in Beijing that the communists there are growing a little bit concerned. Later, we close out the podcast with a question from Brady in Huntsville, uh, Alabama. He wants to know who I am voting for next year for president. Well, my answer might disappoint him, but I've got some pretty good advice to offer up. It's from George Washington and Jack Kennedy. But first... Let's get to our top story of the morning. Former U.S. President Donald Trump is addressing the leaked audio that came out on Monday. That audio, which was from 2021, was of Mr. Trump saying that he knew he possessed secret government information and assorted documents, but he kept the stuff anyway, and he showed it to others. However, Mr. Trump claimed last night during an interview with ABC News and an organization called Semaphore that the audio was misleading. In fact, it didn't capture the real secret that he was hiding. He was simply trying to show off and that he did so by using fake secret papers. Here's what he said. Quote, I would say it was bravado. If you want to know the truth, it was bravado. I was talking and just holding up papers and talking about them, but I had no classified documents. I didn't have any documents, end quote. He then added that, quote, I just held up a, the whole pile of papers. Uh, my desk is loaded up with papers, end quote. Now, if this leaves you a little bit confused, let me more fully explain. So back in July of 2021, Mr. Trump was being interviewed in his New Jersey residence. The interviewer uh, was asking him about a former general General Milley, and how the U.S. uh, might react in the event of a war with Iran. Well, as Mr. Trump was responding to that question, he held up a piece of paper or he pointed to a piece of paper, wrestled it around and said this, quote, see, as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't, but this is still a secret, end quote. His staffer then replied to him by saying, quote, yeah, now we have a problem. End quote. Well, on Monday, CNN released the actual audio file of Trump saying those words, and it set off quite a stir. And that is because that audio file and Mr. Trump's words are being used as evidence by the Biden Justice Department in their indictment of former President Trump. They are alleging 37 criminal counts against the former president, mostly for mishandling classified material and obstructing justice. In fact, I brought you those details in a brief back on June 12th, where we talked about the indictment, the former president's likely legal defense, some Supreme Court case law, and 
whether Biden's Justice Department could really be trusted to handle this issue. So if you missed that June 12th episode, definitely go back for a quick listen when, uh, when we are done today. But in the meantime, let me now pivot to my opinion and analysis, thinking about Mr. Trump's interview that he gave last night. And let's ask ourselves two things. First, is it possible or credible that Mr. Trump is being honest here, that he was just being a, a braggart with that interviewer and that he didn't really have any classified materials in his possession in New Jersey? Well, I suspect that, uh, folks, this is Mr. Trump's new legal argument, uh, that the audio is ultimately misleading and that the indictment is thus wrong. And if that is correct, that's going to be pretty easy to nail down one way or the other, right? There were multiple witnesses in the room during this interview, right? Two staff members and the interviewer. So those three can tell us the truth under oath, I'm sure. Meanwhile, I do note this, folks. Based on reports from the Guardian newspaper and the Washington Post, Mr. Trump's New Jersey residence was searched for classified material, and the team, which was hired by Trump's lawyers, they found nothing. Now, it is certainly possible that the classified material was moved back to Trump's residence in Florida at some point, and I suspect that is what the Department of Justice is going to argue. But nevertheless, there is at least one search that we know of in New Jersey that was looking for classified, and they found nothing. In fact, we've got three witnesses that can confirm it if it is true. So the bottom line is we shall see whether this... Uh, bravado defense ultimately holds water or not. Second, though, I think we need to talk about the audio recording itself that was released on Monday. My goodness, how is it possible that CNN got that audio recording? Because to be very clear, it is in the possession of the Department of Justice, and they are not legally allowed to share it with the press. And if they did, it could be grounds for dismissal of all charges against Trump. At least that is based on some legal analysis that I have read and I think is quite wise. Well, as of this morning, CNN is not saying where they got the audio, which means that it either came from the Department of Justice, which unlawfully leaked it, or it came from that interviewer, right, who had a copy of it and perhaps shared it with CNN. And I suppose that's, that's possible, but that interviewer is a lifelong conservative and a supporter of Mr. Trump, based on what I understand. So it seems unlikely that such a person would be the source of the leak, especially to CNN. So for the sake of argument, right, let's assume that the audio was unlawfully leaked by the Biden Justice Department. The question is why? Why would they do that? Well, I would offer up to you two things. First, folks, the Department of Justice knows that this is a big political case that fundamentally needs pretty broad support amongst all Americans to be successful. In other words, in order for it to be viewed as legitimate versus a partisan witch hunt. Right. So what better way to start building that public case of support than to leak the audio? Because on its surface, it sounds quite damning for Mr. Trump. Right? He is admitting that he is holding on to classified material that he knows is still secret and that he could have declassified it uh, while president, but he didn't. And then his staff members call that a problem. And they're right, because that is illegal. Right? So that is one motivation 
for why the Department of Justice could have leaked this audio. But I think that there's a second reason too. So late last week, for the very first time, mainstream media outlets started to cover the Biden family corruption story. Right? As listeners know, two IRS whistleblowers have come forward with credible allegations that the Biden DOJ gave special treatment to the son Hunter, Hunter Biden, for obviously his tax crimes, amongst other things. Plus, we now have a direct tie between Joe Biden and his son Hunter and his business deals. Right, to refresh our memories on that, there is a text exchange that the IRS agents flagged between Hunter Biden and his Chinese business partners where Hunter says that his dad is sitting right next to him as he is texting, and they both want to know, quote, why the commitment has not been made, end quote, right? Clearly referring to cash payments, to which the IRS whistleblowers said, quote, we couldn't believe that we saw that, that text exchange, that was more indication that the dad, Joe Biden, might have been involved, end quote, right? And that story, ladies and gentlemen, broke on Friday. Mainstream press was covering it extensively. And then by Monday, CNN gets this Trump audio, right? And that changes the national news coverage away from Biden family corruption and towards Trump's well, classified bravado. And that is very suspicious, my friends. It reminds me of Attorney General Eric Holder, right, saying back in uh, the year 2013 of then-President Barack Obama, quote, I'm still the president's wingman, end quote, right? Mr. Holder was responding to a question at the time of how long he would stay on as a leader of the Department of Justice. Right? The point I'm trying to make is this. We can fairly ask this morning if Attorney General Merrick Garland is now acting as the wingman for Joe Biden, right? Garland and his team perhaps are protecting their president by leaking Trump's audio information to change the conversation. By the way, if you think that this sounds too conspiratorial or speculative, I would encourage you to remember this. Former FBI Director James Comey has admitted that he leaked information to the New York Times to help advance his own personal partisan agenda, which at the time was to target then-President Donald Trump. So, sadly and outrageously, we have a recent precedent that shows senior law enforcement officials in this country leak to persuade. So the bottom line, folks, is that I'm going to keep watching this issue, both the Biden family corruption story and Trump's possible new legal defense of engaging in some bravado and whether or not that will pass legal muster. Folks, let's take our first break of the morning, shall we? Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, there are two things that I speak a lot about on The Right Report. First, we live in a troubled world, especially with China and the prospect of war with Beijing. Second, I talk about America's obesity crisis and how important it is to find ways to exercise and eat well. Thankfully, I've got a solution for both. ArcSeedKits.com, a provider of high-quality heirloom seeds that give you food security and a healthy body. 
Now, some of you have asked me, Brian, why should I pay a premium for heirloom seeds when I can buy cheaper stuff from online outlets or big box stores? Well, ARC Seed Kits give you the type of seeds that our grandparents had, right? You can save seeds from each year's garden crop and replant them year after year. Plus, ARC Seed Kits have all of the variety you need, folks. Listen to this. Six types of beans, four types of squash, seven tomatoes, two corn, two peas. Whoo! Don't even get me started on the root crops, like beets and rutabaga and carrots. So all in all, we're talking about 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables. And here's the best part. These seeds come from a family-owned farm in northern Michigan. No mystery seeds that you might get from an online or big box store. So do yourself a favor and buy the all-in-one seed kit. Go to arcseedkits.com. That's arc, like Noah's Ark, arcseedkits.com. Enter right as a promo code, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get 10% off your order. So be prepared and invest in food security. Go to arcseedkits.com today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. And we have got some important updates to talk about regarding the Russian mutiny that happened over the weekend. I gave you a special brief on that on Monday covering what happened, why it happened, and a list of 10 things that I was going to be watching for. Well, this morning, we have two things to talk about from that list of 10. First, let's talk about the mutiny itself and how Vladimir Putin is responding. So we're learning this morning that the chief of the mutiny, Mr. Yevgeny Prikozhin, he began preparing for the uprising back in mid-June, right, shortly after the Russian president, again, Vladimir Putin, announced that the fighters working for his company, of course, the Wagner Group, was going to have to sign contracts directly with the Russian Ministry of Defense and not his company. Well, apparently, U.S. and other intel agencies began collecting satellite imagery of Prigozhin mustering both men and uh, and material to be closer to and inside of Russia, near the town of Rostov, that Prigozhin, well, eventually, he took over that town. Next, we're learning that Prigozhin managed to pull this thing off so openly, you know, cobbling together his weaponry and men and such. Well, apparently he was able to do that because he had accomplices inside the Kremlin. At least that's according to House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner of Ohio. Now, Mr. Turner did not give any specifics or any names. However, there are media outlets like the New York Times who are reporting this morning that a General Surovkin was an instigator and a facilitator of this mutiny. He, by the way, is the commander for the Russian Aerospace Forces, but so far, nothing has been confirmed. Regardless, Putin himself has confirmed that Prigozhin and his Wagner forces were able to shoot down multiple Russian aircraft, including many pilots and crew. And while Putin didn't give any details, we do have some. Reuters news service, the Rybar Telegram account, and reports from Popular Mechanics all note that Wagner's fighters were able to take down six Russian helicopters and one plane, which resulted in the deaths of 13 Russian pilots and crew members with others wounded. Meanwhile, Putin got in some kills of his own. At least 11 Wagner vehicles were blown up with some 30 men inside. Putin also blew up some key bridges and roads to block the Wagner advance, although that was of marginal effectiveness. The point, folks, is that this mutiny had more depth and, frankly, more blood than we might have first imagined. 
And that probably explains this next update on how Putin is responding. The Wall Street Journal is reporting this morning that the Russian Ministry of Defense is expanding the power and equipment of the Russian National Guard, which has primacy on maintaining order inside Russia. They will now get tanks and long-range artillery. At least that is according to Guard Commander Viktor Zolotov. Meanwhile, the Ministry of Defense has also given Wagner notice until July 1st. That is the last date this Saturday in which they have to uh, surrender their tanks and planes and howitzers. We'll see if that happens. Next, Putin is also suggesting that Wagner's chief, uh, again, Mr. Prigozhin, he is going to be investigated contrary to what uh, Putin said originally, that he was going to be let go and let loose. But the thing is, it's this investigation is not going to be because of the mutiny, rather for corruption. Putin announced that the Russian government had given Prigozhin $2 billion in contracts over the past year, to which Putin said this about that, quote, hopefully nobody stole anything during those activities. We will obviously look into all of this, end quote. So, folks, uh, <clears throat> that is Russian for Prigozhin, we're coming after you. All right, we can't kill you right now. We have to make you look really bad first with these corruption charges, and then you are going to mysteriously fall out of a window in a high-rise building. Meanwhile, all right, moving on, and speaking of Mr. Prigozhin, bless his heart, he is settling in this morning in the neighboring country of Belarus, and the country, uh, or rather the president of that country, President Lukashenko, is saying that he actually hopes that Prigozhin and his battle-hardened Wagner men will come to Belarus and stay so that he can, quote, take advantage of the group's combat experience to train my own Belarusian armed forces, end quote. In fact, President Lukashenko said that he's going to give Wagner and its men an old military base for some training. By the way, that is leading some to speculate that this whole mutiny is actually a false flag, you know, a head fake by Putin. Right? And here's that conspiracy theory or idea. Putin is now going to send Wagner forces into Belarus so that Moscow can more easily attack Kiev from the north or attack other NATO countries like Lithuania or Poland. In fact, this is a rumor that has been embraced by a Fox News analyst, a Rebecca Koffler, who is a former intel analyst with the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency. But I would urge just some caution here. All right, this is some very low confidence speculation, which could have some kernel of truth to it, but at present, it is pretty wild speculation. With that, let's now pivot to our third and final brief of the morning, still looking at the Russian mutiny issue and the fallout, but this time we're going to focus on the impact on China. And we're talking about this, folks, because China is arguably Russia's most important partner globally, whether it be through moral support and international relations and committee meetings and such to Beijing serving as a major trade partner that is purchasing a record amount of, of Moscow's oil and natural gas. And that is because China ultimately views Russia as a critical ally in its shared fight against the West and its influence, especially the United States. So we would expect Beijing to stand pretty firm with Moscow, and so far they have. But we've got some interesting, subtle developments to talk about. Let's talk about what the Chinese people are saying and how the Communist Party is reacting. 
Right? Chinese users of social media platforms like Weibo have made the Russian mutiny story the number one trending topic in China. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Times, and Reuters News Service, citizens in China are shocked, bemused, and wondering what could come next. But here is something interesting. When these Chinese users try to talk about a well-known Chinese expression for where uh, powerful men stage a coup against evil or corrupt officials, well, that Chinese expression is getting blocked by the communist censors. Hmm. Meanwhile, some Chinese companies have decided to hold off on shipments of goods to Russia, fearful that they're not going to get paid. Right? It is not clear how widespread this is or which companies or goods are affected. And that's because the Chinese trade official who spoke to Reuters news service about this wouldn't release any details. Finally, there is this little tidbit from a Chinese state journalist named Hu Shijin. He's a former editor of the communist-affiliated Global Times newspaper, so his words are generally considered to be a reflection of the hearts and minds of the Communist Party. And here is what he wrote in a social media post just a couple days ago, quote, Prigozhin's armed rebellion has made the Russian political situation cross the tipping point. Regardless of his outcome, Russia cannot return to the country it was before the rebellion, end quote. Right. That post, which is pretty honest, I suppose, right, it was quickly removed in a sign that it did not reflect official Communist Party doctrine or policy, and certainly not the matching of the glowing defense that was offered by President Xi of Mr. Putin. The point, folks, is that this Russian mutiny has unsettled a lot of government leaders in Beijing, plus some Chinese businesses, too, and even the average citizen, which I think is pretty interesting. And that is why I will definitely be watching for more to come. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, remembering that if you don't hear my voice on these next messages, I don't endorse it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Brady out in Huntsville, Alabama wrote in asking this. Hey, Brian, who are you voting for for president and why? <laughs> Brady, not a chance. I'm not talking about that. But although, look, it's a fair question, but here's why I'm not going to talk about it. One of the reasons that I started The Right Report and why I enjoyed the format of my last podcast was that I could give you the news, you know, offer up my two cents, and then, you know, keep my mouth shut, right? Not yell at you and, and say what you got to do or who you have to vote for. And look, there are a lot of people out there who will do that for you, right? Turn on any radio or TV or any podcast. They are full of cheerleaders, right? But I want to be different because I kind of like what we do here. But Brady, my reluctance to talk about this, it's not just about a podcast because it's, um, it's a part of who I am because believe it or not, I truly embrace this idea of letting people decide for themselves and ultimately be neutral in the process and, and not put party before country. In fact, I truly embrace the words of President Washington, right, when he warned us of party politics in his farewell address to the nation back in 1796. And let me just read part of what he said. 
A political party, quote, always distracts the public councils and enfeebles the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one part against another, foments occasionally riots and insurrection, end quote. And you know what? I think he's right there, right? Elect people, not parties. In fact, that is actually how we were supposed to operate. The United States Constitution, as it was originally ratified, declared that the second place vote getter in a presidential election would actually serve as the vice president. But that changed with the 12th Amendment. So, Brady, it is true that I may belong to a political party or I may be inclined towards one particular candidate, but my goodness, I am not owned by a party and I do not fall in love with politicians. And that is because, by the way, of not just President Washington and his fantastic counsel, but there's also another president who I think offers up some pretty good advice on this one too. Back in 1958, Jack Kennedy said, what is one of my favorite quotes in the modern political era. Let us not seek the Republican answer, he said, or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.